I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Welcome to this podcast of The People's Pharmacy. You can find previous podcasts and more information on a range of health topics at peoplespharmacy.com. Before there were pharmaceuticals, Mother Nature supplied our medicines. Can we still use home remedies for healing? This is The People's Pharmacy with Terry and Joe Graydon. Dr. Craig Hopp is with the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health at the NIH. He studied the medicinal properties of plants and has done research and development on herbs used in traditional Chinese medicine. Some health professionals dismiss home and herbal remedies as nothing more than old wives' tales. Is there any evidence that they really work? We'd love to hear about your favorite home remedies. Our lines are open for your call. Coming up on The People's Pharmacy, were the old wives right after all? In the People's Pharmacy Health Headlines, an analysis of more than 100 consumer products reveals that a surprising number contain potentially toxic chemicals called volatile organic compounds. Many consumer products don't disclose the presence of these agents, such as formaldehyde or benzene. Cleaners, degreasers, and detergents are common sources, as are personal care products such as shampoo, nail polish, polish remover, and hairspray. The scientists utilize data from a unique source, the California Air Resources Board. This organization is mandated to study volatile organic compounds in consumer products in an effort to reduce smog. The scientists found concerning levels in numerous products, contributing to some 5,000 tons being released into California's air in a year. They identified 11 chemicals of particular concern, including methanol, the most prevalent. They also found formaldehyde in numerous personal care products, even though it's a known carcinogen. Products in the analysis are sold throughout the U.S., not just in California. The analysis highlighted 11 risky chemicals that are widely used and urged manufacturers to reformulate common consumer products to avoid them. Home monitoring of blood pressure can be a very helpful way for both patients and health professionals to track this important cardiovascular risk factor. But how accurate are the devices that people use? A research letter in JAMA analyzed 100 best-selling devices sold in countries such as Australia, Canada, Mexico, the UK, and the United States. The authors checked whether these arm and wrist monitors had been validated. In the U.S., 84% of the upper arm devices were non-validated, and 100% of the wrist monitors were non-validated. The non-validated products were almost always cheaper than the validated ones. The authors warned that consumers purchasing such blood pressure monitors online can't be confident that they're accurate and recommend that policies should be implemented to require clinical validation of devices. The Eli Lilly Drug Company announced the results of its Phase three clinical trial of donanumab against Alzheimer's disease. This anti-amyloid antibody reduced amyloid plaque levels, 
within six months of treatment. The most relevant question for potential patients is whether it helps people keep living independently with appropriate support. This randomized, controlled trial recruited almost 1,200 volunteers with early Alzheimer's disease. Investigators administered a questionnaire called the Integrated Alzheimer's Disease Rating Scale to measure ability to handle money, drive, pursue hobbies, and keep up with current events. On this scale, people taking donanumab declined 35% more slowly than those taking placebo. The drug does have risks. Two of the participants died due to brain swelling. A third volunteer also died, although the company has not concluded decisively whether not to consider that death was due to the drug. A different study found that anti-amyloid drugs like donanumab and lecanemab can cause brain shrinkage. Astragalus is a traditional Chinese herb used to help fight off respiratory infections. A new placebo-controlled trial from the U.K. shows that a component in this herbal medicine can help people recovering from heart attacks. The compound reduces inflammation better than existing medications. It also improves immunity and lowers the risk of complications, including chest pain. This herbal dietary supplement appears to be safe. Sepsis is a potentially life-threatening condition. It can occur when infection overwhelms the body's ability to respond. Physicians have a hard time treating it successfully, even in hospitalized patients. Now, a Chinese study has shown that an injectable herbal medication can reduce patients' risk of dying from this condition. 1,800 patients with sepsis were in this placebo-controlled trial. After a month, 19% of those who received five days of injections had died. In comparison, 26% of those who received placebo injections were dead. And that's the health news from the People's Pharmacy this week. Welcome to the People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. I'm a medical anthropologist. And I'm Joe Graydon. I'm a pharmacologist. Today, we're talking about home remedies, and we want to hear about your favorites. So please email them to radio at peoplespharmacy.com or call us 888-472-3366. First, though, we turn to Dr. Craig Hopp for his insights. He's Deputy Director of the Division of Extramural Research at the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health. In that capacity, he oversees research into natural approaches for minor ailments. Welcome to the People's Pharmacy, Dr. Craig Hopp. It's my pleasure to be here. Dr. Hopp, you were quoted in the Washington Post, not exactly a medical journal, but you said, once upon a time, this is all there was. Nature. Nature was your medicine cabinet. Home remedies. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, sure. Obviously, um, before the advent of modern pharmaceuticals, people used the nature around them as their medicine cabinet. Um, and this goes back um, as far as recorded history um, exists. There are documents and texts uh, indicating what plants people used to treat various ailments. And through 
millennia of trial and error, they developed basically a repertoire, a pharmacopoeia, if you will. And every culture has their own version of this based on the plants that are endemic to that area, um, you know, what, what they would use for, for specific indications. And some of them are fairly specific and some of them are fairly um, detailed in how the preparations um, are meant to be derived to, to generate the activity that they're expecting. Now, Dr. Hopp, one of the things that we hear from physicians quite frequently, not always, but quite frequently, is these are old wives' tales. Why do you suppose that medicine has been so dismissive of home remedies? Well, I don't know, because um, those same physicians may or may not understand that about 25% of the drugs used today are derived from plants. Many of your cancer drugs are especially derived from plants. So Taxol, Camptothecan, Doxorubicin, uh, Digoxin, these are all plant-based medicines, um, which once upon a time maybe were unproven in their effects. And I think the ones that had the most potent activity obviously have been further developed. And the ones where they can't quite figure out what the specific pharmaceutical ingredient is have now been relegated, apparently, to wives' tales. But I, I think that might be somewhat unfair, because I think there are still a certain number of these that might not have the potency, if you will, or specificity of a pharmaceutical, but still, I think there's a reasonable uh, body of evidence that suggests that they could be beneficial in certain some, in some contexts. Well, Dr. Hopp, when we talk to leading experts, they always say, we live in the era of evidence-based medicine, E-B-M. And those mm -hmm. old wives' tales, man, there was no evidence. Except sometimes I like to think, well, let your eyes do the talking, so to speak. So, for example, a couple of home remedies that we keep hearing about over and over again is pepper, black pepper, ground black pepper for cuts. And, you know, if you put a little ground black pepper on a cut, it stops bleeding. Do you need a double-blind placebo-controlled trial if your eyes are telling you, I'm not bleeding anymore? Ditto for nosebleeds. We've heard from nuns and teachers that if you put cold keys at the back of your neck, the nosebleed stops. Now, it may not work 100% of the time, but it works a lot. Terry, there are a few others as well. Well, one of the ones that's very popular in the summertime is if you get a sting, an insect sting from a bee or a yellow jacket, cut an onion and put that on the sting and stops the pain. And we even found in a dermatology textbook decades ago that if you've got a mosquito bite, something that's itchy, little poison ivy, hot water, hot enough so that it hurts but doesn't burn. So what about this idea of actually looking or feeling and saying, hey, that worked? Yeah, I think there's a lot to say for what works for you um, in the absence of a, you know, randomized large clinical trial that is the gold standard um, for certainly Western-based medicine. Um, I think what I often tell people is that if it works for you, that's all you, that's all you need to know. And the same thing's true for these uh, ones that you mentioned, for the stings and the nosebleeds and the cuts. Um, if, if, the, if you've tried these on yourself or on your kids or somebody else that you know and that they work, then that's all the evidence that you probably need, <laughs> I guess, at that point. Well, one of the areas, one of the conditions for which 
people have a large number of home remedies is hiccups. And let's mm. face it, doctors actually don't have medicines or, or other types of sophisticated uh, evidence-based treatments for hiccups. So what do you think about hiccup remedies? Well, I guess we haven't, uh, you know, I'm at NCCIH uh, within the NIH, and we certainly don't get a lot of research um, investigators wanting to study cures for hiccups. So I can't necessarily tell you, uh, I'm not necessarily aware of some of the home remedies for that, but I've, I've certainly, I've heard of many of them. You know, you take a sip of water and you hold it in your mouth for 10 seconds, you know, things, things like that, that, that are interesting. And I guess hiccups being one of those things that's benign enough that um, they usually go away on their own in a matter of time. I know there are certain people which have, you know, recurring or, or long bouts of, of hiccups, but that's, that's one where, you know, I think it's harmless enough to try these things. They're there are situations and circumstances where home remedies are shouldn't be your first course of action. Obviously, if you have a serious medical condition, you need to go see a doctor and get appropriate care. But things like um, you know little cuts and and bites and stings and hiccups and stomach aches, um, you know all those things, I think are places where trying a home remedy is perfectly reasonable. Now, do you have any? favorite home remedies, either ones that you've used yourself or ones that have come through your office for study? Sure. Well, I'll give you an example of both. Um, one that I guess I have uh, indirect personal experience with is ginger for nausea. Um, I have uh, a daughter who experienced a lot of motion sickness as a kid. Um, we always had ginger snaps you know, in the car with us. And my wife, when she was pregnant, also found ginger to be helpful for her morning sickness. Uh, so those are ones, again, they worked for us. Uh, they worked for, you know, for my wife and for my daughter. And so those, I think, and I think there's a fair body of evidence around ginger for nausea and motion sickness. So I think there's, that's one that certainly seems to, you know, maybe it's somewhere halfway in between a wives' tale and actually scientifically uh, validated. The other one that we've studied, uh, we've funded for studies at NCCIH is peppermint oil. Um, there's a particular investigator looking at peppermint oil for, um, I would say, irritable bowel syndrome in children. Uh, so basically tummy aches. Um, and he has some pretty compelling evidence to suggest that the peppermint oil that he's giving to these children uh, seems to do better than the placebo that they're giving as the control that, that the peppermint oil seems to work better. Uh, so that's, again, some indication. And that's one that, again, has a long history of use, peppermint oil for upset stomach. I guess it's somewhat similar to to nausea, but uh, a little bit different. And th those two, again, seem to have some, some evidence of benefit. Another condition that has a lot of home remedies attached with it is uh, cough. Yeah, that's one. I think honey is one that most people go to. That's one that I've told my kids that they take. We have, we have a, you know, a jar of honey. And uh, when they have a, a minor sore throat or a cough, that seems to be something that we turn to with uh, some degree of, again, personal evidence that it seems to help. Dr. Hopp, if you were to sum up the idea of home remedies, what would you like to tell you know, your medical colleagues, uh, perhaps pharmacists and, and nurses who often rely on, on home remedies in certain circumstances? What is the value of personal experience and observation when it comes to dealing with minor health issues? 
Right. Well, I think the important thing is to listen to the patient. Um, and some people want to take something that they consider uh, natural, which they consider to be more safe. And if there's no harm, known harms in doing so, then, then I see no reason to dismiss those people's preferences. There's a lot to be said for expectation. And this gets to the placebo effect, not that these things have no legitimate activity, but there's a lot to be said for expectation. If somebody believes that these things work, um, then telling them that you're crazy for thinking that is not really doing them any benefit. Um, I think it's perfectly fine for somebody to, to use a home remedy or a, a different approach than than taking a prescription for something, for again, for minor medical conditions where there's going to be no you know, harm in doing so. And I think that most doctors should probably listen to the patients and you know try to give them the best information that they have regarding if they're asking for, well, what can I use as a home remedy? Rather than telling them that none of that works, it's all hocus pocus, maybe just try to give them a few suggestions, what they might want to try if they want to go that route first. Dr. Craig Hopp, thanks so much for talking with us on the Peebles Pharmacy today. Oh, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Dr. Craig Hopp, Deputy Director of the Division of Extramural Research at the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health. He's done research on natural products, including botanical medicines. Coming up, we'd love to hear your favorite home remedies. Our lines are open, 888 472-3366. You can email us, radio at peoplespharmacy.com. And you can also send us a message via Facebook or Twitter. We're at People's Pharmacy. A phone number again, 888-472-3366. And Joe, we got an email from Linda. She says, growing up, if we got the hiccups, we'd just swallow a teaspoon of sugar. That stops it dead in its tracks. I love the old wives' tales. They really work. Well, after the break, we'll talk about other cough remedies and lots more. One of my favorite remedies is for muscle cramps that wake you up in the middle of the night. It works fast. And a surprising number of home remedies have science to support them. But sometimes it takes a while for scientists to figure out exactly why. For example, cod liver oil makes sense in the winter. Our lines are open, 888-472-3366. Email us, radio at peoplespharmacy.com. This podcast is made possible in part by Cocovia maker of the most proven and concentrated flavanol extract in the market today, Cocoa Pro Cocoa Extract. With the proven power of cocoa flavanols, Cocovia supplements support blood flow from head to toe. This National Physical Fitness and Sports Month, give your heart and brain 100% and support a healthy you with the most proven flavanol bioactive. Get 20% off your Cocovia order from May 8th through May 22nd using the discount code FITNESSPOD at Cocovia.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. <music> 
Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Terry Graydon. And I'm Joe Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is made possible in part by Coco Via Dietary Supplements. May is National Physical Fitness and Sports Month. Can Coco Via be a part of your nutrition and exercise routine? More information at cocovia.com. And by Gaia Herbs, providing transparency through its Meet Your Herbs platform, tracing the origin and DNA of each product, connecting people, plants, and planet to create healing. More information at Gaia, G-A-I-A, herbs.com. Today, we are taking your calls. We're talking about home remedies. Over the years, we've encountered quite a few that seem, well, Terry, (laughs) a little odd, strange, bizarre sometimes. And then later, sometimes a lot later, we find an explanation suggesting that pretty often the old wives knew what they were talking about. Well, we'd love to hear about your favorite remedies, whether or not you know about an explanation. Our lines are open for your questions at 888-472-3366. You can send us an email, radio at peoplespharmacy.com. And that phone number again, 888-472-3366. And we've got a home remedy email message from Deborah. Deborah. And what does she say about jewelweed? And this is not the first time we've heard about jewelweed. No, actually, this is a popular home remedy, Deborah. She says, my grandfather used the common and beautiful jewelweed, which is in the impatience family, as a remedy for poison ivy. He kept a mixture of it in a mason jar. I'm not sure what he mixed it with, but it was a clear liquid. I later learned that there was new research on the benefits of jewelweed to treat poison ivy. I don't know about the research. I'm going to have to look that up, Joe. Um, But we certainly have, and I also don't know what Deborah's grandfather was using, you know, to create a tincture of jewelweed, maybe some kind of alcohol. But but we definitely have heard from people who have used jewelweed to calm a poison ivy itch. Terry, um, we've got an email from Philip in London. Wow, how cool is that? The coronation, right? It's going on in London. And Philip emailed us. Yes, I've had COVID twice, he says, but also I sometimes just cough. I can bring it on at will if I sleep on my left side. I'm 78 and suffer from heart failure, but neither the GP or the cardiologist can offer an explanation for this lying on left side coughing. My heart is hypertrophied. After 13 years of triathlon racing, I raced in seven age group world championships. Wow. So Philip is a real athlete. Whatever the cause, one simple thing always stops it in its tracks and allows me to get off to sleep. That simple thing is to pop one, two, or at the very most, three cloves into my mouth. I suck on them. And although it takes quite a long time for them to soften, maybe an hour, the coughing stops almost immediately, certainly within two to three minutes. I now keep a little jar of cloves on my bedside table. They do the job very reliably at low cost and I think with very little risk of side effects. Well, this sounds like something that you'd say, oh, well, that sounds like an old wives' tale, right? Right. No explanation for that whatsoever, right? All right. So uh, in the journal Molecules, 
published uh, an article published March 7th, 2023. The authors introduced their abstract by saying, eugenol essential oil, that's from cloves, is the major component in cloves, and they give this very fancy Latin name. I don't know how to pronounce it. It says, it has several biological properties, antibacterial, antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, controls, vomiting, coughing, nausea, flatulence, blah, 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 several other things, but well-known to control coughing. And it so, stimulates TRP channels. Well, exactly. So how about if you explain TRP channels? Well, it's it's hard to explain easily, but basically TRP channels are throughout the body. They're in the mouth, they're in the stomach, they're in the skin, and a variety of them will have a profound impact on a lot of physiological behavior, including cough and muscle cramps. We'll talk more about muscle cramps, I'm sure. Well, let's do that right now. We're talking to Petra in Richmond, Virginia. Petra, tell us about your muscle cramps. Hello. Hi, um, Petra. Yeah, my daughter and I, um, we both get them, especially at night. And um, yellow mustard or pickle juice works in just a few minutes. Absolutely. It's so funny because my daughter can just take the yellow mustard and um, just lift her head and slide it in. I have to use a spoon. (laughs) (laughs) But it works miraculously. And pickle juice. Absolutely the greatest things in the world. Well, Petra, I'm going to endorse that because I do get muscle cramps at night from time to time. And I, too, find that swallowing a spoonful of yellow mustard makes the cramp go away in a minute or two. Very, very quickly. Pickle juice works. Actually, plain vinegar also works, although it's not quite as pleasant to take. So we think we know, we think we have an explanation for how this works. And it goes to transient receptor potential, TRP channels. Now, Terry, you often will get those leg cramps after working out in as a black belt karate expert. And so when you're really, you know, physically active, and I think a lot of athletes sometimes experience those cramps. I remember we heard from a bike rider who said around long distance bike rider, yeah. around mile marker 20, he used to get no, it was much further than further. that. Yeah. Mile marker 40. 50, 50, yeah. He would get muscle cramps, and he had those little packets that you get in a fast food restaurant, mm-hmm. and he just sucked down a little mustard. And and as you were saying, it's those TRP channels that we suspect are right. responsible for the muscle cramp alleviation, stimulate those TRP channels with either mustard or vinegar or even pickle juice, and boom. Within seconds. Well, it was neuroscientist Bruce Bean who brought TRP channels to our attention. And actually, Joe, scientists didn't know very much about TRP channels until the 21st century. You can't find them in the medical literature much before that. Terry, we have an email from Mike. He says, one of the things we use for wasp stings on our farm is a couple of leaves of plantain mashed with our fingers so juices come out then rubbed on the sting. The pain goes away almost immediately. It also helps with poison ivy. Plantain grows everywhere and many places throughout the U.S. Look at it. Look look for it in the lightly shady spots. Yes. Well, we have quite a lot growing on that side of the lawn 
uh, of our front lawn that's shady. Yes. Exactly. Where are we going next? I think we're going to talk to J.C. in Mesquite, Texas. Let's try it. Let's give it a go. J.C., welcome to the People's Pharmacy. Well, good good morning. Uh, we have to get up kind of early here to hear you. Yes, you do. <laughs> go ahead with your question. <laughs> well, um, I, ha- I have a family history of homeopathy. And I'm also a trained microbiologist and very interested in virology. And one of the things that uh, I have learned over several years is, you know, elderberry extract is uh, an antiviral. Well, it's not an antiviral. It prevents the virus from replicating. Mm -hmm. And uh, I recommend it to a lot of people for uh, flus and colds, things like that, and I've used it. I keep it all the time. And uh, Mm -hmm. that way, if I feel like I'm coming down with something, I will take it. And it will shorten the duration of a viral infection. And I had it work. It took me a little while to figure it out. But some years ago, we had uh, a problem in Dallas and in the surrounding area, with a long-term intestinal viral infection. It kept people at home as a result of this. And uh, I came down with it. I went, visited a friend at the hospital, and came home with it. Didn't know it for several days. And it was very, very debilitating. And finally, it dawned on me. My stupidity went away. And I realized, okay, this is a viral infection. So I started taking the elderberry extract, which I keep at home all the time. And within three days, I began to get better, and I got over it. That there were is... some people I knew that had had it for, ni- for 90 days. Well, J.C., that is really good to hear. And there is, in fact, research on elderberry extract and its ability to help the body get ready to fight off um, viral infections. We actually published something on our website just uh, last week about elderberry. And it's so interesting, Terry, if it has... The ability to prevent the virus from replicating, I call that antiviral activity. And we don't have a lot of... In the broad sense, yes. In a broad sense, we don't have a lot of pharmaceuticals that can do that. Right. We have a remedy from Linda who says, When I was a child, my mom made a paste of water and baking soda and put it on bee or wasp stings. It relieved the pain quickly. And we have heard that before. We have actually tried it, and it does work. I have found it doesn't work very well for yellow jacket stings. No. That's my experience. Our lines are open for your calls, 888-472-3366. You can email us, radio at peoplespharmacy.com. Again, the phone number, 888-472-3366. And... um, You know, what I find so fascinating is that we have been accumulating a lot of evidence to support both herbal as well as some of these home remedies. Um, You know, we wrote about hot water for itches 50 years ago. Yeah. And we got that 
out of a dermatology textbook. It wasn't something we pulled out of our you-know-what. Well, I think also the the very first home remedy that we mentioned today, Linda's uh, remedy for hiccups, swallowing a spoonful of sugar, I think you found that in a medical journal in, what, 19... 19- 70? 70, maybe, something like that. And what, so what was interesting is it was published, I'm pretty sure it was the New England Journal of Medicine. You know, doctors actually liked home remedies. They, they wrote about them frequently in medical journals. And, you know, uh, it sometimes takes a while for the uh, research to catch up with the home remedy. But if you think about the old wives, Joe, think about grandmothers, think about Norway, think about cod liver oil, and tell me what you come up with. Well, did you not hear about a lot of people who were given cod liver oil as kids? Oh, my goodness, yes. And why? And and they always remembered it because it tasted, it tasted so awful. awful. But... The old wives were giving it, the grandmothers or the mothers were giving it to them because they knew that it would help them fight off colds and flu, respiratory infections in the wintertime. So years go by, decades go by, it's an old wives' tale, and then research discovers that, hey, cod liver oil is a rich source of vitamin D, which is in very short supply in Scandinavian countries in the wintertime, Right. Absolutely. Not a, there's not a lot of sun. So, and vitamin D, it turns out, is very helpful for the body to mount an immune response. Consequently, there is actually explanations. Here is a um, home remedy that came in from Gail. Gail says, about 10 years ago, your program featured a man who said coconut cured his diarrhea. My husband had diarrhea every day and went from 180 pounds to 127 pounds. Whoa. Whoa, is right. He tried coconut, and within a few months, he stopped the diarrhea and was able to resume normal life. I spoke on your program to thank you for saving his life. Whoa. Thank you, Gail. And coconut for diarrhea is another... uh, a remedy that we have heard from many, many, many people who have found um, that it works. We don't exactly know the mechanism, we although don't. we think there may be some antibacterial effect of one of the ingredients that could in be. coconut. And Joe, you know, we're talking about evidence, and I think we should say that there's a couple of different kinds of evidence. So there's the evidence that you get from an experiment, a clinical trial. And there's an evidence that you get from your own experience. And uh, we actually had one person write to us about an experiment that she did that was her experience. She had her twin nieces staying with her. They both had terrible coughs. And she, um, she put Vicks on the soles of the feet, but she only had enough Vicks left in the jar for one of the nieces. And that one didn't cough that night. So the next night she went out, she bought some more Vicks, and she tried it on the other niece, and that one didn't cough at night. So we have this double-blind twin study. <clears throat> Where do you want to go next, Joe? I was going to leave that up to you. 
Let's talk to Karen in Dallas. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the People's Pharmacy. What's on your mind? Hi, I love your show. Thank you. My my little dog was limping around on three legs, and I consulted with a nurse friend of mine, and she suggested that I get Rustox. That's R H U S T O X. It's little teeny pills that dissolve in your uh-huh. mouth. And within two days, he stopped limping. So there's no placebo effect on that. <laughs> um, Karen, I don't know how to explain that. What I am going to guess, <clears throat> based on the name and the description, is that it's a homeopathic um, medicine based on poison ivy. And why it would work for your uh, for your dog and eliminate his limping, I don't know, but I'm glad to hear that it did. And thank you very much for sharing that. You know, we sometimes hear about, you know, how something works in a, in a dog or a cat. And people say, well, it couldn't possibly be, you know, a, a placebo reaction because the dog doesn't have any expectations. And I know some people disagree with that. But I happen to think that, you know, for example, glucosamine, it does help some dogs resume their activities. Yes, it does. Well, our lines are open for your calls, 888-472-3366. If the lines are busy, you can email us. It's radio at peoplespharmacy.com. We're talking about home remedies. We're talking about experience. We're talking about herbal remedies. We'd love to hear from you. What's worked or what hasn't? If a home remedy hasn't done the job, we want to hear about that too. So please give us a call, 888-472-3366. Again, the email address is radio at peoplespharmacy.com. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about some of our other favorite remedies. What about cranberry juice? What about cranberry juice? Is there any science to support it? There is brand new science on cranberry juice. We'll talk about it. 888 472-3366 is the number to call. You're listening to The People's Pharmacy with Joe and Terry Graydon. This podcast is made possible in part by Gaia Herbs. For more than 30 years, Gaia Herbs has nurtured the connection between people and plants to deliver nature's vitality. Their full-spectrum formulas are designed to provide an herb's complete array of beneficial compounds with nothing artificial to get in the way. Learn more at GaiaHerbs.com. That's G-A-I-A Herbs. Welcome back to The People's Pharmacy. I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. The People's Pharmacy is made possible in part by Cocovia Dietary Supplements. May is National Physical Fitness and Sports Month. Can Cocovia be a part of your nutrition and exercise routine? 
More information at cocovia.com. And by Gaia Herbs. Their formulas are designed to provide an herb's complete array of beneficial compounds with nothing artificial. Connecting people, plants, and planet to create healing. More information at Gaia, G-A-I-A, herbs.com. Today, our topic is home remedies. How can you tell if the old wives were right? We invite you to join the conversation. If you've got a favorite home remedy, you can call 888-472-3366. You can email us, radio at peoplespharmacy.com. And Terry, we promised we would talk about cranberry. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, there was some recent research. There was some recent research. I am not remembering where it was published, um, but it was it was credible, and the research actually showed. Oh, I do remember it now. It was very impressive because it was published in the Cochrane Database of Systematic Reviews, and what they did was they they did a big analysis of 50 different randomized controlled trials looking at cranberry juice for prevention of recurrent urinary tract infections. And there were like 9,000 people in these randomized controlled trials. So we're not talking, you know, a small study here and there. This was major research. Exactly. And what they found was that Cranberry products, whether it's cranberry juice, you probably want the less sweetened kind, or cranberry pills, which may be a little easier to take. Cranberry's awful tart. Um, actually do work to prevent, um, they, they reduce the recurrence of urinary tract infections. And the thing that impressed us so much is that when Cochrane does a review, hardly anything works. Even a lot of drugs don't work in Cochrane reviews. So the fact that cranberry juice or extract works is really something to celebrate there. Well, we actually have an email from Joanna. And Joanna says, I saw a urologist for recurrent urinary tract infections. I was told to have surgery. Realized going home that I was never asked about water intake, etc. I began taking one cranberry tablet daily and upping it to three a day when I felt a UTI brewing. I canceled the costly surgery and have not had a UTI needing antibiotics for over a decade. I will use medications if I have to, but it's been nice not to have to take them. And we can go to the phones. Let's talk to Cheryl in Addison, Texas. Cheryl, tell us your story. Yes, thank you. Uh, my sister and I both get headaches, and we think it's because of the barometric pressure is changing, and she lives in a different state than I do now. But we both use Bengay. We put it under our nose so that we can inhale it. We put it on our temples, being careful not to get it too close to our eyes, and then we also massage it on the back of our necks and try to loosen up whatever's going on back there with the muscles in your neck. It seems to help. I mean, and I don't mean it just seems to. It does help because we can get these headaches for two or three days sometimes. And as a last resort, too, we, we will take a shower and get the water on your head. And that seems to relieve the pain, too, because we, you can just touch your head and it hurts all over. But anyway, I... 
And if there's anything anyone else has for headaches, please let us know. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well, Cheryl, thanks so much. And, you know, Bengay has, I think, in it menthol, which is the same one of the many ingredients in Vicks VapoRub. We have heard from other people who have gotten relief from their headache uh, with Vicks VapoRub. And the idea that uh, cool water on your head might also help is interesting because menthol activates the TRP channels that sense cold. And, you know, there are lots of TRP channels, Terry. Uh, Yes, there are many. You've been tracking a lot of them for years. There's TRPV, well, which is vanillin. There, there are at least eight, maybe more, that are involved in human sensing. Most of them are involved in sensing of uh, temperature. Some of them are involved in pressure sensing. We have an email from Marsha, and Marsha says, I think I heard this on your radio show. Pour on soy sauce when you get a burn, such as you know, touching a hot pan or handle from the oven. The pain stops immediately. And Terry, I remember there was a board operator in Charlottesville, Virginia. I believe so. At WVTF, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And this board operator reached into the oven, grabbed a hot handle, and... Burned her hand. Badly. And and she came up with a very cool approach. She used a rubber glove... And put the soy sauce in the rubber glove so that she could keep the hand well covered by soy sauce. And she said it never blistered. Right. And it by the next day, it felt fine. Fantastic. Joe Connie has emailed us and says, I have had a constant chronic cough going on for four years now. The conventional med- medical testing can't find anything. And then, let's see. Come on, Connie. I'm having trouble finding this, getting it. There you go. If I quit caffeine, my cough would go away. I'm now six weeks with no coffee, no caffeine tea, no chocolate. And did the cough go away? Come on. Come on. Where is it? Can you pull it up? There you go. Yes. The cough has gone away. I have no explanation for it. It's very interesting. Connie, thanks so much for sharing your experience. Shall we go to Margaret in Columbia, we South Carolina? Should. And again, that number, if you'd like to share your favorite home remedy, 888-472-3366. Margaret, it's your turn. Yes. I appreciate. Um, I love listening to your um, information. And... Um, I get platelets at the uh, Red Cross, and every now and then my legs would cramp, and they would hand me Tums. So now I carry Tums. I get platelets every two weeks, and um, so I have them with me. Uh-huh. And um, I'm not sure what it is in the Tums. Maybe it's the calcium or something, but um, um, it makes my leg cramp. So. It seems to work well, for you. That's I've got a question great. for you, Margaret. Do yeah. the Tums that you... Put in your mouth, have flavor. Um, I don't know that they have. I use the ones that don't have. Um, I can't remember what it is. There was something in Tums that was not good for you. So I guess the. Um, um, 
It's just calcium carbonate. Right. That is the ingredient. Sugar-free. But some of, yeah. the, of the Tums pills also have flavoring. And I sometimes wonder if it's strong flavors. We've already mentioned things like vinegar and pickle juice. And I just wonder, you know, could it be the calcium carbonate or could it be the flavoring that the they mint used flavor in the tubs? Or what yeah. have you. Mm-hmm. Or what have you. Because I think some of the Tums pills do have well, mint. It's possible. Uh, Margaret, we don't have an explanation, but we do appreciate your home remedy. And we have actually heard this from one or two other people as well. And um, let's see. This one is really interesting. It worries me a little bit because when we talk about home remedies, Terry, yeah. we're looking for you know minor ailments yeah. like a mild kitchen burn or a cut or a scratch or some poison ivy. This comes from Vince in Elmira, New York. It's an email, and Vince says, watermelon seed tea for kidney stones. Now, kidney stones are pretty serious and almost always are going to need medical oversight. But Vince says, my Italian immigrant grandfather was in the hospital facing surgery for kidney stones. My aunt, his daughter, made tea from crushed and boiled watermelon seeds and had him drink it over the course of several days, and the kidney stone passed. The doctor could find no sign of them and was mystified. Surgery avoided. Ah, it's always good to avoid surgery. We don't know if watermelon seed tea would work for anyone else with kidney stones. No, and maybe they would have passed Anyway, regardless. it's possible. But watermelon seeds are an, an underappreciated resource, I think. Shall we go to Stephenville, Texas? We've got lots of Texas callers today and talk yes. to Helen. Helen, hi. How are, you? How are y'all? We are great. We hope you are. What's up? Well, okay, my bone rubbing on bone in my right knee. Mother had it also. I don't want surgery, and I don't want shots. And that's the first thing they want to do. And so I'm like, no. So I asked them to order me a sleeve for my knee. But anyway, while it's, on, you know, I don't have it yet, just went to the doctor. Anyway. Friends tell me, uh, somebody said to put frankincense on my knee to help with the pain. But I guess, do I have to have surgery? Uh, we, we can't answer whether or not you will have to have surgery. That part we don't know. We can tell you there are a lot of things that people have used that have alleviated uh Arthritis pain, like the kind you're talking about. Well, I remember a call that we got from Florida, Terry. It was probably 25 years ago. And it was a person who was a a speed walker and racer. Yes. And he had bone on bone and had sort of cut back on his speed walking and racing and was feeling quite desperate and he asked us pretty much the same question that you were, you were asking today, Helen, and that was, what can I do for my knee arthritis? And we mentioned Serto and grape juice. He found it very helpful. Not everyone does, but um, basically 
Serto is a, a liquid pectin that home canners use to thicken their, their preserves. Um, and you put a tablespoon of Serto into about eight ounces of grape juice, and you can spread that out over the course of a day. Um, some people say, well, I don't like grape juice or it's too sweet or what have you, but that is one remedy that we have heard from many people have found it helpful. Now, other people, and we've shared this home remedy for decades, use gin-soaked raisins. Right. You, you take golden raisins, you soak them in gin, and you let that gin evaporate so you're not getting very much gin, and you eat nine raisins a day. Now, you mentioned frankincense, Helen, and that um, some people actually take that as an herbal remedy, a dietary supplement. It's called Boswellia, and it too has uh, proven anti-inflammatory activity, and so some people find it quite useful. So I hope one of these um, remedies will be helpful for you until you get the sleeve for your knee, and I hope that proves useful as well. And Helen, we have lots of other remedies for arthritis on our website, peoplespharmacy.com. So feel free to go check it out. Joe, we just mentioned gin-soaked raisins for arthritis, and Tom is going to tell us about them from Blacksburg, Virginia. Welcome to the People's Pharmacy, Tom. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, Many years ago on the People's Pharmacy, I heard about gin-soaked raisins. I now use uh, about 50 milliliters of gin-soaked raisins of gin. Hendrix gin. Uh, okay, with, hold um, it, hold it, Tom. Uh, for those people who, ounces, Tom, yeah. for people who are not metric, how much is okay. fifty yeah. milliliters? Quarter cup. Okay. A quarter cup. And you uh, put it on your raisins. Sixteen ounces of raisins. Okay. In a glass jar. Uh, turn it over and over until the uh, gin soaks up. I take twelve in the morning, twelve at night. And uh, I had crippling arthritis in both hands, uh, especially in the thumbs, for um, many years, and it is completely gone. It's a treatment, not a cure, because um, it now um, uh, either starts to come back if you uh, stop taking the right. uh, raisins. Well, Tom, we so appreciate your precision, A, and B, the reminder that you may need to adjust the dose to meet your own circumstances. Now, Tom, before you sign off, tell me again in non-metric measurements <laughs> exactly how you okay. do this. Because most people have to wait for the gin to evaporate so there's no alcohol or almost none. Well, if you use only a quarter cup to um, 16 ounces of black uh, cheap raisins, uh, it... Um, uh, it you don't have to wait for it to evaporate. You just it'll soak up into the raisins. Doesn't take and too long. You, uh, and and it's like candied fruit. It's pretty tasty. Well, um, uh, some people end up eating half a jar in a night. <laughs> and I tell them, well, you, it won't hurt you, but uh, uh, it won't. It doesn't do me any additional good to take. No, and there is a story. I won't bore you too much with the details, Tom, but there was a sheriff in the mountains of North Carolina 
who ate a lot of gin-soaked raisins. He pulled off the road because he got sleepy, and he ended up being arrested for driving while intoxicated because he had a he failed a breathalyzer test. So your point is well taken. Thank you so much for the call. And Joe, I think I think we don't have time for any more calls. We don't, which is a shame because we really love getting your favorite home remedies. You know, you can always email us. The email is always open. It's radio at peoplespharmacy.com. And we did have a comment, an email from Lou, who said, while there are obviously a lot of old wives' remedies that end up having truth in them, the vast majority don't, and you guys don't talk about that, and you're being irresponsible. Oh, shame on us. So that is what Lou has to say. Well, you know, minor problems, and you will know, If your burn stops hurting or if your poison ivy stops itching. Now, we use some criteria. If it won't hurt and might might help help. and doesn't cost too much, those are important criteria to keep in mind. Well, that's all the time we have. Thank you so much for listening and for sharing your home remedies. At the start of the show, we spoke with Dr. Craig Hopp. He is Deputy Director of the Division of Extramural Research at the National Center for Complementary and Integrative Health. Lynn Siegel produced today's show. Pamela Alberta and Ayasi Chinflu provided technical assistance. Al Wadarski engineered. Dave Graydon edits our interviews. The People's Pharmacy theme music is by B.J. Lederman. The People's Pharmacy is a co-production of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC, with The People's Pharmacy. The People's Pharmacy is brought to you in part by Cocovia, maker of high-potency cocoflavanol supplements. May is National Physical Fitness and Sports Month. Can Cocovia be a part of your nutrition and exercise routine? More information at cocovia.com. And by Gaia Herbs, providing transparency through its Meet Your Herbs platform, tracing the origin and DNA of each product, connecting people, plants, and planet to create healing. More information at Gaia, G-A-I-A, herbs.com. Today's show is number 1340, 1340. You can find it online at peoplespharmacy.com. You could subscribe to our podcast through your favorite podcast provider. We post the show on our website on Monday morning. If you go to peoplespharmacy.com, you can sign up for our free online newsletter. If you want to learn about drug alerts, this is an easy way to stay on top of the breaking health news. By subscribing to our newsletter, you'll also have regular access to our weekly podcast and find out ahead of time which topics we'll be covering. In Durham, North Carolina, I'm Joe Graydon. And I'm Terry Graydon. Thanks for listening. Please join us again next week. Thank you for listening to the People's Pharmacy Podcast. It's an honor and a pleasure to bring you our award-winning program week in and week out. But producing and distributing this show as a free podcast takes time and costs money. If you like what we do and you'd like to help us continue to produce high-quality, independent healthcare journalism, please consider chipping in. All you have to do is go to peoplespharmacy.com slash donate. Whether it's just one time or a monthly donation, you can be part of the team that makes this show possible. 
Thank you for your continued loyalty and support. We couldn't make our show without you.